Bibles tonight and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're go- uh, last several weeks we've been preaching along lines of family, but we're going to do things a little different tonight. Uh, of course, this is our business meeting night, and usually on business meeting nights I preach something along the lines of you know finances, especially in the church. And I want to speak on this subject tonight because we've kind of, this last year, we've, uh, you know, one thing that we've kind of taken to the next level uh, that I believe is a very good thing, but it's been unlike previous years. But this year, does anybody know what the church's biggest expense was this year? It was me. I was the biggest expense this year. Amen. Paying the pastor was it, it was the biggest expense. You know, the first couple of years it didn't really register much on there. You know, last year it was it was a bigger part, but it wasn't the biggest. And this year it was the biggest part. Okay, and so uh, one of the things we do in our business meetings, you know, we put it out there, show where all the money's going, everything, and you will see that the you know our biggest expense was me this year. Okay, and so are, are we okay with that? Is that all right? Uh, you know, what does the Bible have to say about these things? Because we want to make sure we're doing things right according to the Word of God. And so, what I want to talk about tonight is really the church's obligation to the pastor and the pastor's obligation to the church. Okay, there are things that the pastor should expect from the church, and there are things that the church should expect from the pastor. Okay. Just because I'm pastor doesn't mean I just, you know, get to collect a paycheck and don't do hardly anything. There are things that you all are allowed to expect from me that we see in the Bible. But at the same time, there are things that the pastor is allowed to expect from the church. Okay, and I believe I really do, and I'm not just trying to butter you all up tonight. But I do believe we've got the right spirit. I think our priorities are good around here. I think from the get go. Uh, the people in the church have had, you know, the right heart, the the right attitude, and we've done our best to make sure we keep our priorities right and do things in the right way. But at the same time, uh, I want to be able to show you, you know, from the scriptures what the Bible says on this subject, and so it can help you have confidence that we're doing the right thing. And so, First Corinthians chapter nine, verse one, Paul speaking here, and he says, "Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord?" Are ye not my work in the Lord? He's trying. He's basically proving here. He's like, I am an apostle. Okay, I. You all know I'm an apostle. I proved it to you. Okay, there's there should be no doubt in your mind. If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. Okay, I mean, if there's any doubt to you all, you know I'm an apostle. Okay, I think you all know here that I'm your pastor. Okay, whether the rest of the world knows I'm a pastor. You know, that's one thing or recognizes it, but you all for sure ought to know. Okay? You're the one that you're the ones that hear me preach, you're the ones that I try to pastor, and Paul's basically telling these people, it's very clear, you know, who I am, what I am. I've proved it to you, I've demonstrated it. He says, My answer to them that do examine me is this, but there's people that are looking at him, they're they're critiquing him, okay? that's what he's talking about, he says, Examine me. And he said, because I don't know, maybe there were some that were accusing him maybe of taking too much, maybe taking advantage of that church. You know, there were questions 
that came up. And sometimes there's questions that come up. And that's why we want to make sure we're careful how we you know, handle the finances, how we do things. That's why we want to have you know, business meetings. You don't see business meetings in the Bible, do you? Anybody see business meetings in the Bible about finances and things? You know, I don't see it. But at the same time, we want to have a good testimony in the world, don't we? We want, to, we want to have a good testimony. We want everything to be above board. And so, uh, we do what we can to make sure that if someone is examining us, that we can you know, prove what we're doing is right, what we're doing is legal, all that stuff. And so, he's like, I've got an answer for those of you who are critiquing me or examining me. He says, have we not power to eat and to drink? Have we not power to lead about a sister, a wife, as well as other apostles? And as the brethren of of the Lord, and Cephas, okay, we have the power to go and raise a family, to get married, to have children. And he mentions Cephas or Peter specifically. You know, Peter had a wife. Okay, despite the fact people think he was the first pope and didn't, Peter had a wife. Okay, and it's okay. Pastors are allowed to get married. Pastors are allowed to have children. And you know, there are some people. It's like. Churches, they'll get mad if the pastors are having too many kids because oh, that's just a bigger expense for the church. How are we going to take care of this? And that's a terrible, terrible attitude. In fact, if you ever wonder why the Catholic Church started the whole thing of priests not being able to marry, it was for financial reasons. I mean, think about it. If the pastor didn't have a wife and children, wouldn't he be a lot cheaper? I mean, one mouth to feed instead of eight mouths to feed? I mean, think about it. But at the same time, look at all the problems those guys are having. You know, Look at all these settlements they're paying out now. You know, It's not normal. It's not natural for men to just remain unmarried. And that's another subject for another day. But he's saying, we have the right to these things. We have the right to live a life. Okay? He says, or, or I only am Barnabas. Have we not power to forbear working? Okay? We ought to have the ability to not do... The regular job, if you know, if if that's possible. Verse seven he said, Who goeth a warfare at any time at his own charges? Who planteth the vineyard and eateth not the fruit thereof? Who feedeth the flock and eateth not the milk of the flock? You know, nobody nobody we don't expect our soldiers to go fight our battles for us and us not pay them, us not take care of their needs, us not provide for their families. Okay, they're doing our work for us. So we don't expect that from them. We don't expect them to do it for, for free. Okay, If you're doing a work, if you are planting a garden, if you have a farm, it is just expected that you would eat from that. That what comes in from the work that you've done, that you will get a part of that. Okay, And so, he's given all these examples. You know, say I th- these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also. For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth not God take care for the oxen? Okay, if an oxen is doing the work to you know produce you know fruit and vegetables in a farm, if he's out there doing the work and he sees something to eat, you ought to let him eat it. Okay, you ought to let him have some of it. He's doing the work, and if God cares about an oxen, obviously he's going to care. For people, and he's going to care for pastors. Or saith he it all together for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt. He said that's in the Old Testament, not for oxen. God put that in the Old Testament for us, for you know apostles, for pastors, for those who uh, serve in the ministry. You know, for elders and deacons, people who are full time servants of the church. 
says, For our sakes no doubt this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of this hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things lest we should hinder the Gospel of Christ. So notice here that Paul's being examined. He's being critiqued like he's taking from them. But notice in this case, in this church, he had not been being paid. He had been providing for himself, but at the same time, he didn't just go up and say, hey, y'all haven't been paying me. I've been working, you know, I've been working another job. I've been providing for myself. Hey, he didn't just say that. He first, he went and said, listen, if I was, you know, being paid, if I was, you know, getting things from what has come through the church, that would be okay. I have every right to that, but in this case, he hadn't. And he says, verse 13, do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait on the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the Gospel should live of the Gospel. God wants people. He wants His servants, His pastors and ministers. He wants those people that their living come from preaching the Gospel. Okay, And where does that come from? Okay, It doesn't come from... When I go, when I go out knocking on doors... The people don't give me money for trying to give them the gospel. You know, when we go to the high rise and we do a Bible study there, they don't they don't give us money for that. When we go to a nursing home, they don't they don't pay us for that. These things are all volunteer. Okay? Where does the money come from that? You know where it comes from? It comes from the church. It comes from God's people. It comes from saved baptized believers who have uh, who are members of a local church and they give of their tithes and offerings of their own free will. And as a result of that, God has ordained that His ministers live of that. And we see many examples in the Bible of why God wants it done that way. And we're going to look at that as we go through, as we go through this message. But I think 1 Corinthians chapter 9 is one of the clearer passages on this teaching of taking care of the pastor. So, what is the church obligated to do? How much does the church need to do? What uh, you know what can a pastor or should a pastor expect from the church that he is pastoring, and at the same time, what should the people expect from the pastor in return? Because uh, you know there are some guys they might have the title of pastor, but they don't do hardly anything. And it's sad how many people call themselves pastor, and man, they don't even know where their people live because they don't go visiting. They don't go see people in the hospital. And even when they are preaching, okay, they didn't get it because they studied the Word. They get their messages online. Okay, that's, that's not good. All right? That's not right. What should we expect? So, what should you, what is the first thing that you all should expect to see from me? Something that you ought to watch for in your pastor. Something you should see is in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Look what 1 Timothy Chapter 4 says, 1 Timothy is one of the pastoral epistles. Paul is writing to Timothy, who I believe was a pastor. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 9, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. 
These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given to thee, given thee by prophecy with laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed to thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. The first thing that you ought to expect to see is evidence, okay, clear evidence that I am laboring in the Word of God. Okay, it ought to be clear that the pastor is actually studying the Bible himself. Notice how he says, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them. I mean, you devote your life to studying the Scriptures that thy profiting may appear to all. People ought to be able to see that, man, the pastor's been studying. Man, this guy's been doing his homework. He knows the Scripture. Listen, you don't just read through the Bible one year and you know it all and remember it all. Okay, so I mentioned this morning, you know how they've read through the Bible, but a lot of it went, you know, over their head. And you know what? Some of it, it still goes over my head, but I'm working on it. You know, I'm constantly trying to work on things, and it ought to be clear, you know, from the preaching, from the teaching that goes on here, that you know, Pastor Tommy actually has been studying his Bible. He actually has been reading. His Bible. He had, you know, you're not. You shouldn't be able to just Google the title of my message and then find it online somewhere. You know, find out. You know, see my whole entire outline. Clearly, got it somewhere else. You can do that with a lot of people, and it happens all the time. Preachers, they get their sermons online. They get their illustrations online. You know, they tell everybody else's stories because they don't have any stories of their own because they're not doing anything. They're not witnessing to anybody. They're not dealing with anything, and there ought to be evidence. That, that I'm laboring in the Word of God. The most important job in the church is the ministering of the Word. Look at Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. What it says, Acts chapter 6 and verse 1. Now, you know, I, I like fun stuff in the church. I like doing fun things. I like activities and all that stuff. Uh, stuff. I love those things. When I was an assistant pastor... Uh, you know, a lot of my responsibility was, you know, doing a lot of the activities and things in the church and doing a lot of the fun stuff. And I enjoyed that, but it's not the most important thing in the church. Unfortunately, it's what gets a lot of people into church or keeps a lot of people in church, but it's not the most important thing. In Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. They said, listen, it's true. We've got our people that we need to take care of. There are needs of people in the church that we need to deal with. But if we're going to be spending all our time you know, dealing with all these needs that everybody has, we're not going to be able to study the Word like we're supposed to do. He says we can't leave the ministering of the Word or the study of the Word to serve tables. And so we see if you read that passage, they went and that's how deacons came to be. They went and they ordained them some deacons. And those deacons, they were full-time servants in the church. Most churches today, they call them assistant pastors, youth pastors, whatever. But we see that they were deacons and they were people. They did a lot of the menial tasks. 
in the church. They did a lot of the laboring and helping people. That way, you know, the elders and the, or the pastors, they were able to focus on the Word of God because that is the most important thing to do in a church. And I said, I love the other stuff. We definitely want to take care of people's needs. We want to be able to be a blessing to other people. But you know what? If the pastor's so busy trying to keep everybody happy and entertained all the time, it's going to be hard for him to study the Bible like he's supposed to be able to do. And that is the most important thing to do in a church. And I'm not saying we can't ever do all the other things and a pastor can't work on those things, but the study of the Word of God, it is the most important thing that is that we have that we have to do and so you should expect me to be studying my bible you should expect to see evidence that i have studied my bible that i am continually learning things and teaching you things uh, and it, it, my profiting from that my study it should appear okay it's just cuz it's your tithes and offerings that's paying me right and doesn't your boss wherever you work don't they expect to see some kind of evidence that you have been laboring? You know, there, you know, there's going to be, there's usually some kind of accountability that you've done your job. Maybe you've got some production numbers that you've got to keep up, or you know, they, if you're building something, they want so much accomplished every day because they're not paying you to just have that job. They're not paying you to just be whatever it is you are. If you're a truck driver, they're not paying you to have the title of truck driver, they are paying you to drive a truck, aren't they? And a pastor, he's not getting paid just because he's a pastor. He's getting paid because he's pastoring. And part of that job is studying the Word of God. And you have every right to expect that. So, as a result of studying the Bible, if I'm doing my part, if I'm doing my job, what can I expect from you as a result of the work that I've done? Well, look at 1 Timothy chapter 5. Look at First Timothy chapter five. This is all right from the Bible here. Okay, this this is your part here. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture saith, "Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn." And the laborer is worthy of his reward. Okay, Paul's he's kind of preaching part of the same message again. You know, he brings up that Old Testament scripture about not muzzling the ox, and he said, "Those that rule well, those who, especially those who labor in the word," he said, "Give them double honor." What does double honor mean? Well, basically, look at well, we can find out what double honor means. Look at First Timothy chapter six and verse one, the very next chapter. Look what it says. It says, "Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy." of all honor, that the name of God and His doctrine be not blasphemed. Now, that term honor, it can, it can one of the definitions of honor is actually... Oh, I thought I wrote it down. Uh, I have it in here. I have it in here somewhere. But it, it does refer to pay sometimes. Okay? Because uh, all right, as an as a employee, whoever you work for, Hey, have yet you expect some kind of compensation what you do, right? And has anybody ever maybe you went and you interviewed for a job or you were offered a job, and when you saw how much they were going to pay you, you got insulted. 
Okay, I think I'm worth more than that. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, do, do these people not value their employees? And there's a lot of jobs out there like that. It's like, you know, I can see why they get such losers to work for them because, you know, they pay them terrible. They treat them terrible. And so these people, they do a terrible job many times. They don't really care. They don't try real hard because I believe they feel dishonored by the pay that they're getting. And it says there in 1 Timothy 6.1, it's talking about servants that are under the yoke. Okay, It talks about honoring your master. Now, obviously, you don't pay your master, do you? However, but you do give him something back for what he's given you, right? Okay? You're, you know, you don't when you have a job. I know this is America, and we've got a big welfare mentality in this country. But you know, when people give you jobs, okay, and I always want the government to give them jobs, the president give us jobs. But here's the thing: if somebody gives you a job, you are supposed to give something back, okay? Now, I know most of you in here, you probably don't have a problem with this, but young people these days struggle with this. You know, if somebody gives you a job, you're supposed to show up for work. Now, a lot of people haven't figured that out. And when you show up for work, you're supposed to work hard. You're supposed to do what they tell you to do. You're supposed to be on time for work, right? And many people these days, they just think they should have a job, get a paycheck. But no, you're supposed to do something for them too, right? And you need to honor them. And they need to honor you, okay? You need to be compensated. And right here in the Bible, it says those that labor in the Word should receive double honor. So what does that mean? I heard somebody tell me one time, he's like, you know what I believe? He's like, I believe, you know, the Bible says the pastor get double honor. I think what they ought to do, they ought to average out the salaries of everybody in the church and double it and give that to the pastor. And I'm like, will you please come to my church? You know? <laughs> but, you know, and at the same time, you know, there is, you know, you got, you have to be realistic in all these things. Uh, but it, I do believe the goal, okay? Because we, so we are still a new church, you know, we're working to this, but, it ought to be your desire, and I should expect from you to try to give me a standard of living that's at least on par with everyone else. Okay? Now, and if you're, said, if you're all, I don't expect the standard of living of a millionaire. I don't think we have any millionaires in the church, and so I don't think I'm going to make a million dollars this year. I don't expect that. I don't think I should. But at the same time, you know, it's not necessary that the pastor be the poorest person in the church. You know? It's not you don't necessarily have to try to keep me humble. You know, God can keep me humble. Uh, you ought to try to give him the same thing that you have. You know, we what we give someone, it does. It shows our level of appreciation, doesn't it? And so if we were to do double honor, it makes sense we would try to do more than that, right? Okay, and I'm not here I think you all know I am not here so I can get a big salary. I'm not here doing this job so I can get rich. I think you all know that. But I am trying to show you that the, according to the Bible, it says those who labor word and doctrine, they should receive double honor. And if the church has the ability to do that, I believe they ought to do that. Okay? And I, I do. I believe, we're, I believe the church is doing to the maximum of their ability. But I, that is the goal. That is what the Bible says. Let them be worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word. So, you all can expect, you should expect me to expect evidence that I'm laboring the word. I should expect double honor for that work. I should expect you to appreciate it. I shouldn't hear you all, what? 
he gets paid that much just because you know, just for preaching. I mean, good night. You know, he preaches three or four matches a week, and we're giving him that much. I hope we don't hear that tonight during the business meeting. That that'll be really discouraging. Uh, it'll it'll it would bother me. I'm just going to tell you that right now. I hope that's not the attitude. Okay, uh, and we shouldn't do that. And I uh, so another thing that you all should expect from the pastor is you should expect to be ministered to spiritually. Okay, you have every right to expect that. You have a right to expect the preaching that comes to minister to you, to be a help. You you should expect to hear, you know, good preaching. You should ex- expect me to be available when you need comfort. You ought to be able to call your pastor. You ought to be able to call him, talk to him on the phone if you have a need. Uh, expect you know you ought to be able to invite me to come to your house and visit with you if that's needed. If you're in the hospital, you know you, it shouldn't be a shock when the pastor shows up to visit. There's nothing wrong with expecting those things, okay? You know, and at, and at the same time, while you have a right to expect those things, it is important too to remember that a pastor does have a wife and kids, and sometimes things happen, and you can't do those things. And when that happens, you know, you ought to, you ought to give me a break, okay? Do I jump down your all's throats when you don't show up for church? You know, I mean, y- y'all have your part you got to do too, and you know, and you, we got. But at the same time, you know. If it's never happened, I've t- I've talked to so many people here in town before that have talked about you know they have been just blown away because I visited them. You know they went to you know their church they went to before for years. Pastor never came over to their house. There's pe- there's people I talked to one time. The wife had been in the hospital for a very long time with heart problems. The pastor never one time came and visited her. Never one time came. She'd been out of church for a few months because of all these things. And about the third or fourth week after she finally came back to the church, the pastor finally acknowledged her, and oh yeah, you're, how how are you doing? Because he had heard she was having heart problems, and this wasn't a big church. This wasn't this isn't a church you know with hundreds or thousands of people. You know this is a church probably about our size, and it's like and that pastor's full time. Hmm. <laughs> How come I can't get those people on this church? No, but anyway, you know, we think these things sometimes. We're, we're carnal too. But uh, you, you have a right to expect that. You know, uh, you should expect me to be able to give biblical advice and show what the Bible says on things, and, and to be ready and willing to help. That is part of what a pastor does. Okay, it's not just it's not just getting up and preaching. Many people think pastoring is just getting up, you know, and reading some scriptures and yelling and hollering at everybody. And that's not what, that's just the fun part, okay? This is the fun part, but that's not all there is to it. There is a lot more to that. You've got to be ready to answer, answer people's questions. And not just, you know, there's some preachers out there, if their people dare doubt something that he preached, dare question something that, you know, he has said, I mean, man, they just jump down their throats. And, Maybe. Sometimes you got to work with people. You got to teach them what the Bible says, and you, you you ought to know what the Bible says. And it's like many people don't. And I, how many of you ever? You probably never heard this before, but there's some preachers out there that Spencer Smith said this. He's like he's like they're post turtles. And I was like, what is a post turtle? Never heard that before. And he said he said Brother Runyon told him that, and he said a po-, he's like. He's like, I went walking out in the field one time and sitting up on this fence post was a great big turtle. Just sitting there on the fence post. 
thought, what in the world's he doing there? You know, and he's, or he's, there's two things he thought. I'm killing this story, but basically, it's like these preachers that are out there somewhere. They're post turtles. It's like they don't belong there. You know, when you you see them, they're like they don't belong there. And then you think, who's the idiot that put them there? And that, that's the case sometimes. There are guys out there that call themselves pastors. And I'm like, how did they get that job? You know, I mean. Somebody gave it to him. <laughs> Somebody put him there. And you, it's okay for you to expect some things. And said, so, you, know, you know, be gracious, don't be pushy, all that stuff. But yeah, you do, have, you do have a right to expect those things. And so, if I'm ministering to you spiritually, okay, I have the right to expect something from you. And that is to be ministered to carnally. Okay, look at what the Bible says. Um, in verse or in uh, Romans chapter 15. Well, first of all, we saw in First Timothy, I believe it was, um, or no, in First Corinthians chapter nine. You know, it mentions the, uh, them partaking of their carnal things. But look what it says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 26. Romans chapter 15, verse 26. Says, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in carnal things. He's like, hey, these poor saints that are in Jerusalem, they're going through a famine. They're going through a hard time right now. These were the ones that these are the people that in Acts you read about. They went and they sold their houses and land, and they laid, they brought that money. They laid at the apostles' feet, and these people, they the apostles were able to go preach the gospel to these people. They benefited greatly from it. They benefited spiritually from it, and now they're going through a hard time. And Paul says, hey, "It's your duty." Because they ministered to you spiritually, for you now to minister to them in their carnal things. And the same thing applies for a pastor we see, like we saw in 1 Corinthians, that if you are being ministered to spiritually, okay, which is that is my job to do that, to minister to people spiritually, then if I'm going to do that, I still need to be ministered to carnally, don't I? Because you know what? I can't survive physically on the bread of life, can I? I can't survive physically on the water of life. I gotta have regular bread, don't I? I gotta have regular food. I, I, you know, I can't just survive uh, on earth with my treasures in heaven, can I? Yeah. Oh, Pastor, you know, you you keep doing this for free. The Lord's gonna give you treasures in heaven. Yeah, but here's the thing: if if I don't get some treasures here on earth, I'm gonna be getting them treasures in heaven real soon because I'm gonna starve to death. All right, and so I, I've got you know. We've got to have those things, all right? It's just it's common sense. It's necessary, and we see in the Bible that the ones who are expected to do that are the people that are being ministered to spiritually. Okay? You know, not the government. Y'all shouldn't expect me and want me to have to live off the government. I'm not ministering to the government in spiritual things. I can try, but they're not going to accept it. They don't. They don't want it. And God wants us to do that. And it's like many. Many churches are okay with that. Hey, you know, our pastor man, he's got a big family and you know, nothing wrong. Might as well let him get the welfare instead of, you know, all the low lives out there. No, that it's not it's not the government's job to take care of my carnal needs. The Bible says it is the church. Those who are 
benefiting spiritually from my labor. So that ought, you know, don't don't pass it off to the government. Okay, that that God is not going to bless you if you do that. It needs to be, it needs to be you all. So have a right to expect that. And then the last thing you have a right to expect from the pastor is to for me to be a good example. Okay, you have a right to expect that. You have a right to expect certain behavior. Look at First Peter chapter five. First Peter chapter five and verse one. The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Okay, we're not. So the goal is not money on this, but yet money is needed. Okay, neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. Okay, it is said many times in the Bible, talking to pastors about being an example. Paul said that to Timothy in 1 Timothy four twelve. Be thou an example of a believer in word and conversation and faith and charity. He told them, be an example, and you have a right to expect a good example. You should not see my name in the police reports for you know a drunken disorderly or something like that. You you have every right to expect those things, and as also if you have a right to expect me to be a good example, you know what I have the right to expect you to follow the example. Oh no, <laughs> that's all we wanted to hear. Hey, it's okay for the pastor you know to live good and to live right and to live holy, but you know that's for the pastor, right? That's that's for the pastor's family. You know, and I grew up in a pastor's family, and I used to hear that all the time. Oh, well, you guys, you do that because you're preacher's kids. You know, you do that because you know you're in the pastor's family. And when I was a kid, I thought everybody that went to my dad's church believed everything my dad taught. I mean, what we did at home, what we were taught, I thought that's what everybody did. And I remember as I got older, and you know, you'd see people out in public, and you, you know, you just get to know people and you start to find out that, hey, these people don't do everything that Dad teaches. Why do they go to this church? <laughs> That's what, that was kind of in my mind. Why, do they, why are they amening Him when He's preaching that when they don't even do that? Now, it was kind of confusing for me. And it was like it was perfect. Everybody expected a certain behavior from the pastor, from the pastor's family, but yet felt absolutely no need to do those things themselves. And we see in the Bible that we are supposed to set an example. We see that in First Peter chapter five, you know, in verse four it says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And then look at verse five, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. God said, He said, hey, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Follow the things that He is teaching. You know, listen to the things that are being preached. Put these in your life. Yeah, that's going to take some humility, but you know what? God resists the proud and He giveth grace to the humble. You ought to follow the example. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. Turn there real quick. Right before Paul tells Timothy, to right before he tells him to be an example, right before that, he says in verse 11, these things command and teach. 
You see that? Hey, he's telling them, these things that you're learning in the scriptures, command them, teach them to people, and then set the example. Okay? And so if you all have a right to expect me to set a good example, and part of my example, you would all agree, is following the Word of God. Well, one of the reasons God has told me to set an example and to teach these things is so you all will do them too. So hey, this this you know holy living stuff, that's not just for Pastor Tommy and his family. It's for everyone. And so, you know, I, it's okay for me to get up here and prove something from the Scripture, to prove something's a sin, prove you should do something, or prove you shouldn't do something, and expect people to get it right. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not here to just tell you all what the Bible says so you know what it says. I'm here to tell you what the Bible says so you'll do it. Right? That's the goal. I'm just going to admit it to you right there. And I know that's probably not a big revelation, but uh, that is the case. Uh, uh, Philippians chapter three and verse seventeen. Philippians three seventeen. It says, "Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example." Do you see that? He says, "Hey, follow." He said, "Follow me." And other people who are following me, mark them. Note those people. Hey, you know what? These people, they're, they're following the Word of God too. Hey, the same thing that... You, know, you see what Pastor taught us from the Scriptures that God said we should do? Hey, these people are doing it too. And follow those people. That's what the Bible says to do. You know, I'm, not, I'm not here looking for a bunch of followers. You know, I, I'm not... Uh, I'm, I don't think I have a big ego or anything like that. I'm not about telling people what to do. I've got plenty of kids I can boss around if I need to boss somebody around, okay? But at the same time, I'm supposed to be an example. And the example is, I'm not supposed to be an example just so you all can look and admire and say, wow, he's a good example. It's so you can follow it, okay? I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to lead, okay? What, you know, what does a shepherd do? Or a shepherd and a pastor, we've seen that. That's kind of the same thing. You know, a shepherd, it has sheep, and the sheep are supposed to follow the shepherd, right? And if they follow, they're supposed to go where he's going. And so it's not an ego thing. I'm not the chief shepherd. I'm not lords over God's heritage. But I am supposed to be trying to do something. I'm supposed to be getting people to follow. And then the last verse, Second Thessalonians chapter three and verse six says, Now we command you, brethren. Well, that's a strong word, command. Well, you people don't like that, you know, pastors shouldn't command. Well, they did in the Bible. Well, we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which ye have received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any should not work, neither should he We set the example for you. We've asked you to follow us. Okay? And you do. You have every right to expect a certain standard from the pastor. But at the same time, you ought to be living up to that yourself. Okay, I hope you wouldn't get offended because you saw me in the same place that you were at. Okay, you know you get mad because I'm I'm at the same bar that you're at. Okay, and obviously you have a right to be mad at me if I'm at the bar, but what are you doing there too?
If you expect the pastor not to go to the bar, then you should not go to the bar. The things that you would not expect me to do, you should not do those things too. And a lot of people do it. They'll put the pastor and his family way up on this pedestal, expecting them to just practically be perfect, and then themselves, they're not worried about what they do one bit. Uh, That's not fair. That's not how it's supposed to work. And listen, being a pastor, it's a wonderful opportunity. It's a great privilege. And your tithes and offerings that allow me the opportunity to be full-time laboring in the Word, full-time being a witness to other people, I believe that's going to give you a share in the heavenly rewards that come as a result of souls that are saved and lives that are changed. You all have a part in that because you gave. Because you ministered to me in the carnal things, it freed me up to be able to go and and to spend that kind of time doing those things. And so, I hope... I, 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 I do. I want to fulfill my obligation. I want to do my job. I, I don't want to get paid for doing nothing. I don't. I, 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 there's, there's fulfillment in knowing that you earned your paycheck. And it, it is. It's, it's fulfilling... And I want to do my part, and I hope you want to do your part too. And if we'll all do our part, I believe God will bless our church in a great way. I believe He is blessing our church, and I want to continue to see those blessings. So with that, let's all stand together right now.